Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of The Promised Land, a brand new show talking all things Manchester United, brought to you by 90 Min. I'm your host, Scott Saunders, and I'm joined by football journalist and United season ticket holder, Rob Blanchett, who, like me, will have seen United um, slump. Is that the right word, Rob? Um, to a 1-1 draw with Southampton on Sunday. Is that the right I word? Think, I think slump is probably the correct word because it was a bit of a slump. It was way below the expectations. Um, I think United fans were looking for something along the lines of what we saw against Leeds United. But also I wasn't surprised because this is the kind of game that over the last maybe 12 months, 24 months, that United have struggled with. You know, Away from home, still good. The record's there. But you need to go and win these games. If you want to be a title contender, you have to go to Southampton, you have to put your foot down and you have to show that you're there to win the title. And second game in, we won't get too upset about it. But is this the first of many Southamptons? I'm not so sure. We did touch on it last week. Uh, I don't know if you caught the show last week, but this is our this is our second episode. So uh, we're going to come to you every Tuesday. Uh, maybe with the maybe next week, given the transfer window closes next Tuesday. Maybe we'll wait till Wednesday to uh, to drop the next episode just to take a look at exactly what Manchester United have done in the transfer window. Um, if there's any late business or anything like that, we might react to that. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for us and make sure to follow us both on Twitter. I'm at underscore Scott Saunders and Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B. Now, um, Rob, did that ruin your weekend or was it, how did you feel? Um, because I went to the game and I saw some United fans afterwards who were varying from anger to, I, I was in the sense of, I, I was feeling disappointed. I, I, you can't really get angry at that, you know, but I ju- I've seen that one before, haven't you? It's like a bad movie that you've watched and then you get to the end of the bad movie and you're kind of like, ugh, why did I do that? So, of course, with football, we do it anyway, good or bad. That's how it works. So, yeah, I did feel, I felt disappointed because United are are capable of much greater things. And we saw that against Leeds and obviously that was a great big high at Old Trafford. On the road at Southampton, in these games, like I just said there, you've got to do more. And I think United played, what, maybe 20 minutes of decent football around the point when they scored the goal. Um, So, yeah, it was a bit of a damp squib. I could say that. And I did feel a little bit down afterwards. But then you have to remind yourself it's the second game, that pre-season's been relatively short, there's players that need minutes in their legs, et cetera, et cetera. But I can see why United fans were angry with that because I want to see more from Ole. You know, I support him in terms of his tenure at United. I think he needs a little bit more time. But time does run out in the end. And uh, and people do remember these kind of performances. He said himself, we need a you know great start to the season. Well, four points is okay. So I wouldn't say it's great, but they've lost that impetus now of maybe that first game where they look so good. It was a real high after the Leeds game. Uh, and especially after the signings of Sancho and Varane, I know everybody knows that United need uh, to do more, whether that's in terms of outgoings or there's a lot of fans who believe that incomings are still important as well. Gary Neville um, talking about Harry Kane on Monday Night Football, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on that later on. Uh, we'll actually get into uh, the transfer window and the final week of it. Um, I should probably run through today's show. We'll look at uh, the Southampton uh, match, the draw, and decide, dissect what went wrong. Um, Rob has some thoughts on the midfield conundrum, which I think a lot of fans are frustrated with. Uh, we'll look at Ollie's position uh, on trial, in a sense, I think is how Rob put it before we started recording today. 
We'll look at uh, some fantasy signings for the final week of the transfer window. Uh, another idea that we came up with off air. And we'll look ahead to the Wolves game next weekend. Uh, maybe it's time for Sancho and Varane to actually start a game of football for Manchester United. Rob, uh, so what actually went wrong at St. Mary's? Because United looked... We, we spoke last week about having the right mentality to approach games like this to not... To not get a little bit overconfident. I, I don't know whether that was what the problem was, but Southampton seemed like they really wanted to make an impact on that game. And it just seemed to pass United by. Uh, I was disappointed with the first goal, obviously. Um, whether you think it was a foul in the in the build-up on Bruno or not, you know, they probably still should have closed the ball down, you'd think. But Oli came out before the game and has said, in front of a stadium full of fans, we can't afford to fall behind like United did so often last season and managed to turn games around. But they did. And the equaliser came early in the second half from Mason Greenwood. And you just thought from there that United will kick on. But it never really seemed to happen. Uh, the final 15 minutes was quite disappointing. Um, what do you think went wrong? What was the, the main thing for you, Rob? Well, I think in football, bad habits die hard. And that's a problem. You know, it takes you time to get on a training pitch and sort out, iron out the creases, be where you want to be. So I think Ole's spoken quite succinct and clearly about what he wants from his Manchester United side. And it's what we all want. We want to see attacking football. We want to be dominant. We want to actually turn the screw in these games. And that didn't happen. You know, and, and this is the fear is that these bad habits that, that were there last season and before continue to happen over and over again and how do you find the answer now United's answer to that is a certain lad called Jaden Sancho and another guy called Rafael Varane so that's the long-term change you're bringing in two you know world-class players certainly one of them's world-class the other one is potentially world-class and that's there to get rid of those habits so you become a more potent force but still the guys that were out on the pitch against Southampton, they, they should be doing the job better. You know, 20 minutes of decent football. You know, what do you do in those scenarios with Bruno? What do you do with Pogba? How do you get the ball to Mason in those good areas? I, I think the thing is like Sancho came on, didn't he, with 35 minutes to spare and didn't get a sniff. Why? Because the midfield was a mess. So if your midfield is a mess against any Premier League team, you could be the bottom side, the top side, doesn't matter if you play Man City or not you're going to look like United did. You're going to look like you're behind the curve. So that's a little bit of a worry because the guys have got to go away now and fix that, integrate, obviously, his two new star players and find the answers. And we'll see that, obviously, in the Wolves game, and we'll talk about that upcoming. But in football, you don't have time. You know, in football, I said there, Ole's on trial. I said that, obviously, off air to you. And what I mean by that is that all managers are on trial in these first 10 games always – so I remember Louis van Gaal when he came to the football club and he won like eight, eight uh, preseason games in a row, beat Real Madrid, won a little tournament and it was fantastic. And I think that we then went on a run of about four wins in 10 with a whole new star cast of players. Um, every manager is on trial. Look at Arteta at Arsenal. So United are not in the Arsenal boat. But they could well be, you know, you could have lost this Southampton game, couldn't you? you could, and then people will be talking very differently. So I think that's where Ole stands with it. And I don't like this Ole in, Ole out rubbish that we hear on Twitter, but it's it's what it is. It's social media and it's part of our, our world and our culture now in football. But Ole is on trial like everyone is in football. And he's got to make sure that his team is primed and ready to win games. If after 10 games we are not in the title conversation, 
there is every chance that he will not have a job some point after Christmas. That's the truth. You've got a contract. Contracts do not guarantee your job or your position. Results do. And that result against Southampton was poor. Not unacceptable. It's a draw. It's one point. They probably only deserved one point. But at the same time, we need to see a lot more from Manchester United. Let's touch on that um, Ollie in versus Ollie out because there's nothing that I really... There's probably some things, but I don't. I really, really do not have time for it. I, I, I dislike the argument down to a T. It just bores the hell out of me. Uh, I hope you're the same. Oh, 100%. And this is where we get this kind of divide between what they like to call the legacy fan. And I think the legacy fan is just someone who's a bit older. And then they kind of look at this kind of new media fan, someone who who looks at football with through different uh, a different set of glasses, and that's all about hashtags. That's all about populism. That's all about shouting and screaming. So I think you've got to be somewhere in the middle as a football fan. Like, yeah, you can shout and scream, and you can be upset, and there's nothing wrong with having some emotion in the game. But yeah, with things like Ole in, Ole out, most of it is you know if they win, then I'm kind of Ole in, and if they they lose, then I'm Ole out. That's the the weirdness of it but no I have no time for any of that stuff I just try and call it as it is as a football fan as a journalist and uh and so what we saw from United that day against Southampton you know Ole needs to do more and so do the whole team sorry if you if you've tuned into this podcast hoping for us to sit on one side of the fence but I think we're not fence sitting here I think we're just gonna take a little bit of a more measured approach I'd say Rob Early days, early days, like, you know, six games in, we might well be on that other side of the fence. You know, <laughs> I think, you know, look, you know, when Mourinho was at United, I used to get this quite a bit. And people say, oh, you're very anti-Mourinho. Yeah, I'd spent two or three years writing pro Mourinho pieces about why he was the right manager for Manchester United. But you know what? When you go to the games, you sit there and you watch it all unfold. You can reverse your opinion. Everyone's allowed to do that. So, you know, with Ole, I think he needs a bit more time. It's the second game of the season. We are, as we are, you know, grown-ups. I think we're trying to look at it from a different point of view. We're not going to get too upset from a, a win and a draw, especially when that win was so spectacular against Leeds. But they need to reproduce that form now against Wolves. And Wolves are a dogged team. Very difficult to beat. I think they've had the most shots in the Premier League up to now in these two games, even though they've not had success. You know, I think they had something like 42 shots attempted. It's like, you know, crazy figures. So they're going to get a goal sooner rather than later. Let's hope it's not against us. Ole has to, like everyone else, like every manager has to prove himself. He doesn't get some kind of carte blanche because he scored a goal in the 99 winning final for the treble. You know, he's the manager. He has to take responsibility and we will hold him to account. I think he expects that as well, to be fair to him. Uh, he very much knows um, the position and the pressure of the position. For me, he's done, he's done, a, he's done a good job so far. I, I mean, the, the success and the lack of trophies, uh, or the lack of success and the lack of trophies in that perspective, I mean, that's probably not acceptable, but you have to look at the bigger job that he's doing. You have to look at the squad that he inherited to where it is now and how United are much closer uh, to a title challenge in terms of the personnel that they actually have than they were uh, under, say, Jose Mourinho when they were falling to pieces after finishing second in the league. Uh, but Oli, he's got to deliver results now. He's been supported in the transfer market. Uh, Sky Sports, I, I don't know why I'm going back to Sky Sports all the time, uh, but they did a comparison last night on uh, Monday Night Football between uh, Jurgen Klopp's first 99 games and Oli's first 99 games in charge of Liverpool and United. Uh, quite comparable, but Ollie's obviously very much outspent uh, Jurgen Klopp, who did it with a, I think, a net positive net spend or something like that. But um, 
he knows now that he's got to start delivering results and we can't afford one is okay, but we can't really afford to see that performance against Southampton all that often. And you, it was pretty obvious to everyone. I think that the midfield was the real issue in that game. Uh, what, how, how do you, how do you view the situation, Rob? I mean, there's a lot of supporters who believe that United, United need a defensive midfielder. Uh, they cycled through Fred Matic, um, McTominay, who was, uh, injured uh but well enough to come on at the end and i think pogba went back in there as well so that's four players that they've cycled through in one game not really a they don't really have a consistent pair in there you know who they can go to for every game i, I mean mctominay and fred do their jobs and they do it very well in certain games but i know that certain fans want more from them in other games how do you how do you view the situation what are, what are united lacking in there it's difficult because Manchester United definitely, we know this for sure, want a new midfielder. So I don't think they're ignoring the problem. You know, I think United fans are very vocal about the midfield and that was the issue against uh, Southampton. But what can you do? Well, first and foremost, United need to shed some of their wages. They need to get rid of two or three so they can open up the space for one or two. So, you know, you just said there about consistency and who do you play in there. When you actually look at the stats and go deeper, Last year, Fred was in the 90th percentile of midfielders in uh, in Europe. And what that means is that when you kind of assess all of his stats, he is actually hitting most of the marks. The, the problem is ball progression. So people talk a lot about United needing a defensive midfielder, and I will say they don't. Why? Because when you put a defensive midfielder in there, like let's just say Nemanja Matic, the ball doesn't progress. So say you take Matic out and you put Ndidi in there, Indeed, indeed, he was part of a team that just got hammered last night, literally by the hammers. That wasn't supposed to be a pun, but there you go. And the issue with there is that if you play someone who plays that deep line role and is just doing a defensive role, you can't progress the ball. So United having Matic in there, McTominay and Fred do that pretty well. You know, even though they're not the most accurate or the most blessed, they actually get the ball from A to B, allowing you to get the ball from B to C. That didn't happen at all in Southampton. Matic spent most of his time having a cuddle with Harry Maguire, about five yards off him. You saw that the ball kind of popped inside and out too much. It wasn't going forward. And when the ball did go forward to Fred, who was trying to find space, he was marked by two midfielders and they couldn't get through that press. So these are technical things that Ole needs to sort out. But I think also, you know, when you look at solutions, what do you do with what you've already got? Well, the truth is you can't. There's nothing there to do. You haven't got players in your squad that can maybe just drop in to do what Scott McTominay does. Lots of people criticize Scotty all the time about what he does and how he plays, but he gives you tons of energy. And you do need that in football. I, I read this last weekend, people saying, oh, you don't need energy. And I always call them dogs. This is how I say it. You know, you need midfield dogs. You need people who are going to get around people's ankles, get the ball, and then go give it to the talent. Go and give it to Pogba. Let Pogba deal with getting the ball into the final third. Paul Pogba's got five assists this season, and we're two games in, and we're not happy. So that's a good sign, because if you get the ball to Paul Pogba on the edge of the box, he's probably going to find someone. So I think as far as Ole goes, he needs to find that midfield answer. But do I think United have got the money to just go out there, spend another 50 to 100 million on a player that we'd all love to kind of knit that together? The truth is in COVID times, no, I think they're going to have to move on. Lingard, I think there's potential, even with Van der Beek being kind of moted to, to make an impact this season. 
there is that opportunity there to move him on as well. Uh, and you might have to maybe look at one of your defenders and, and get them off the bill as well. United do need something more in midfield. You saw Scott McTominay's out, United don't look as good. And that's not a good sign because he's not our best player. It's just that the equilibrium of the side is so wrecked when you take McFred out of there. On your uh, idea of, or your your thoughts on not necessarily needing a defensive midfielder, do you think there's an argument there for if United did get a defensive mid, defensive-minded midfielder in there, it would offer more security to allow the likes of Pogba and Van der Beek to start in a two? Yes, but if you played, if you brought a, mid, a defensive midfielder in, you would have to basically change your whole philosophy. So the way Ole plays the game in that four-two-three-one, which is kind of structured around reverting to a four-three-three as quick as you can, but protecting the defence. That's why he plays that system. So if he went and bought a defensive midfielder, let's say in Didi or someone like that, and he wanted to play more of a four-three-three, which fans are really hot on, they love that formation. They think that's the the answer to everything, play 4-3-3 and you go and win a title. I don't personally believe that. But if you do that, then the spacing becomes an issue with the 4-3-3. So where does Paul Pogba play? So he plays left on a three. He did that at Juventus. No issue there. But who did he have in the inside event Juventus? Mm, Andre Perlo. United are not going to get Perlo to play inside Pogba on this transfer window. So dream on. So it's about finding the right character to just come into the midfield to impact all parts of the game. But ball progression for me is always the one. You know, if the ball comes to Harry Maguire and he puts his head up, what does Harry see? Who, do, who can he get the ball to? I think he's got better options this year. You know, we've certainly got better players around him. And that's that's the first key fundamental. Um, I think when he gets the ball to Fred and McTominay, they don't do a bad job in those areas, but they're not great progressive passers. But when you look at the numbers, they do do the job when United are playing well. It's just that when you take one of them out, it's what you do then. Nemanja Matic, for me, is old money. He's, his days have gone. I wouldn't say his legs have completely gone. Like He did run hard in that match, but hard for Nemanja is not particularly Premier League standard, shall we say. Uh, and Ole did the old Fergie trick of praising Matic after the game and going, I oh, had a great game because... You know, Fergie used to do that, always pick out his his worker when his flair players hadn't worked. And he'd always say, oh, the worker did really well. And then he'd be very quiet about the flair players. And as Ole said, he wasn't happy with the last 15 minutes, but he didn't mention Pogba in that, in that kind of spell. He didn't mention uh, Bruno. He didn't mention any of the attacking players. He didn't mention Jaden. Um, so that's a little bit of a kind of... Uh, a little bit of trickery, I think, from the manager there. But yeah, United do need an extra midfielder. There are some on the marketplace and we can chat about them now, but do they solve the problem right out? Probably not. And do United have the money? The answer to that is no. Not this year, you wouldn't think. I just wanted to touch on Sancho. You mentioned him there. Um, I don't know how... You watched on TV, did you? Or did you go down to the game? I didn't go to the game, unfortunately, but I did watch it, yes. So I went down to the game and it's the first time I've seen Sancho, obviously in the United shirt because I didn't go to the Leeds game. What I did notice was he was pulling over to the left-hand side a lot. And when he was over on the right-hand side, he was visibly frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball quicker. So I think that, that really does play into your point about not being able to pro progress the ball well enough from midfield. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Rob. Um, I don't know whether you do have an answer for this, but if you, if you would... If you were to see one midfielder come in, either in this transfer window or maybe in the next year, it depends how you want to look at it. Uh, who would you pick? 
out of all the names that are kind of being banded around and maybe the more realistic ones, I think that Salna Gez fits the profile of what United need. So you've got a player who can play as a number six. He can, he can get in and about there. He can get tackles in. He can get ball retention. He can move the ball on. He's a cultured player. He can also score goals now and then. And if you were going to continue playing the double pivot, you know, my favorite word, the double pivot, you need someone who can service it. And he is one of those players that could do it. Now, I would love someone like N'Golo Kante, you know, let's go to Chelsea, just steal him. And then you can play four or five different systems around him. And Pogba would love it. And we'd love it. And yay, not happening. So, you know, people talk about Camavinga as well. He's definitely on the market, but I don't think he upgrades United's midfield immediately. He might in, in a few years time. Uh, and and obviously the other name is is someone I've talked about a lot. I've written about uh, a lot previously and it's Ruben Neves. So Ruben Neves is a guy who, a bit like Donny van der Beek, can play the six, can play the eight, can play the 10. But he plays the six much better than Donny does in the Premier League. And we've seen that. And unfortunately for, for Neves, when he was in the championship, he actually scored quite a few goals. He was an attacking midfielder and these goals he would score from 25 yards in the top corner. He was this, you know, prodigal, son coming into from Portuguese football and he was going to score all these goals. And of course now he's turned into a more defensive player. So I think he's a real realistic option for United. If Lingard leaves the club, if United can find buyers for one or two more, then there's a chance that one of those three become a Manchester United player potentially on deadline day. We'll see. I mean, you look at Sol, who is very much on the market. Uh, he's, he's been touted to, Chelsea on Monday. Liverpool have been linked with him for the duration of the transfer window so far. United too, obviously. Ruben Neves is another one. And I think Wolves will definitely sell him for the right price. Right price. It just really depends on which club can put money up for him and what Wolves do in terms of sales with the likes of Adama Traore. You're seeing that uh, Tottenham are pretty hot on him at the moment with a week left of the transfer window. So it remains to be seen whether they do actually end up selling both of them, but they have been open to those sales uh, for the duration of the window. Do you feel like one of those players is is that is that a panic buy in a sense, given who is on the market now, or do you feel like they could do a proper job and service the team for five six years? Any of those names? Because I think Camavinga looks to me like it looks like PSG might be leading the race for him. I think all three players improve your squad and with squad building, that's what you've got to do with every window. You've got to try and find a way to get closer to where you want to be. So what we saw against Southampton is that United are still not quite there. The depth isn't there. And we're told all the time that United have got this really deep squad now and they've got players who can do X, Y, and Z. But let's look at it like this. What's the point in having a Jesse Lingard sat on your bench to come on and play five minutes now and then? You know, Jesse's not happy with that. United fans are not happy with that. And it doesn't really help United go and win titles. So if you can lose that wage off the bill, you know, another X amount, 100 grand, get a tiny fee for him because obviously he's coming to the last days of his uh, his contract at United. And then you've not got someone like Andres Pereira in the way. And you've got, you move other players out. Obviously, two and Zabies off the wage bill this year. You can go and get someone that affects the game now. So those three names, there's no doubt that maybe Neves is the most suitable. He's got Premier League experience. 
he's probably going to play the kind of position this year that United need. You know, we're talking about Fred and McTominay in that role. And I don't think United need to break the system to fix the system. You know, I don't think we need to play 4-3-3 to go and win a title. We can play 4-2-3-1. You just need to play it better. You just have to have more energy. You have to have more skill. You have to get the ball to the players that are going to do the damage. You just said there, Jaden. you know, he was on the left at the start and he did that at Dortmund last year, started most games on the left now and then. He was kind of going that side of the pitch and playing obviously on the right. And he's been bought to solve that right-hand side. Could we get the ball to him in 35 minutes against Southampton? No, couldn't. It was rubbish. It was poor. So Ole said that after the game, he went, there was a few tactical things we need to work on. And that's one of those tactics. So you need to say to Aaron Wambasaka, Aaron, you're going to have Rafael Varane inside you soon. And you've got Jaden Sancho in front of you. Get on and do the job like Luke Shaw did last year. So that's what you have to make these demands, isn't it? So does Camavinga solve that? Does Neves solve that? Does, um, does uh, Sal Naguez solve that? Potentially. But it's the players who are there already. They need to go and solve it. They've got good players around them. Now they need to play like a team every week rather than a bunch of individuals. That's the challenge, isn't it? We will, we will see what United do. Uh, we've touched on fantasy signings, but I, I did just want to bring up Gary Neville again because it's one of the main... So every time Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher do something on television, uh, it does seem to carry through the news for a good two or three days after the, after the fact. So he's gone pretty big saying that Harry Kane is the player that maybe not United need, but he just can't really understand why United aren't in the running for Harry Kane at the moment given, I can't really say he's on sale because I don't think Spurs want to sell him, but you, you think that if a club put up the right amount of money that he would go. And I think Harry Kane will be open to a United move or a City move. Just really depends on who puts the money up. But there'll be a lot of strikers on or available next season. I mean, we've, we've seen Robert Lewandowski has been touted to maybe wanting to move away from Bayern Munich. Erling Haaland's release clause kicks in. Uh, Harry Kane, if he doesn't leave Spurs, his price might drop by next summer. I mean, I can't really see United doing anything with a striker this in this next week. But what 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 are your thoughts? Gary Neville's gone pretty hard on this. So d- does that really thrust them 20 points better and into a title race? Or is the midfield still going to hold them back? Well, like we just said there about the Southampton game, you know, you could have Harry Kane on that pitch, couldn't you? You could have him at the top end as your number nine. How do you get the ball to him? You know, so this was the issue against Southampton. How do you get the ball to Jaden Sancho? How do you get the ball to Bruno Fernandes in the box? How do you get the ball to Mason Greenwood? And that was the problem. So if you put Harry Kane at the top end of the pitch, how do you get the ball to Harry Kane? It's the same problem. So I know Gary went hard on that. And look, Harry Kane drives a new cycle. Let's be honest. Yeah. So you mentioned his name and Manchester United drives a new cycle. Do Man United want Harry Kane? Well, they certainly inquired about him. Um, both City and United wanted to do player plus cash deals with Tottenham. Tottenham went no. Why? Because Spurs need that money on their bottom line. So they want to sell their player for 175, something like that. A huge amount of money in their pockets during these COVID times. And that's their motivation if they move on their player. United, do they need to look at Harry Kane? Well, they do need to certainly look for a striker, but not immediately. You know, they've got Cavani, they've got Greenwood. They will score goals. You know, we saw that against Leeds. United are not going to have a problem scoring goals when they get all those other areas right. 
Jaden Sancho, 20 goals, 20 assists. He's potentially could do that this year. So that's a big uptick. Anthony Martial is a little bit of a worry. We saw that in that game. He still looks a little bit off of what United need. And that's the problem. When you rotate these players in and out, does it damage your results? Well, against Southampton, it certainly did. United want to get a win in that game and they only got a draw. So at number nine, I think United will wait till next summer. We know from the rumblings that the player they really, really, really want is a guy called Erlen Haaland. He's going to have a release clause. I don't think he's going to go for that release clause. I think there's going to be a bidding war. But if City get Kane and Lewandowski is on the market and goes elsewhere, it means that United hopefully will have a clear run at Haaland. And I think Haaland as well, he wants to come to England. Don't forget, he is actually English. People do forget this. Born in this country. So he does know England. He knows the Premier League. You know, his dad played here for many, many years. Uh, and, and he knows Manchester. Uh, so I think it's more of a case of if there's no place for him at City and City can't bid for him because they've bought Harry Kane because that's how it would stand. I think he'd be more than happy to talk to Manchester United. His dad's already been to Carrington, you know, before he joined Dortmund. There was lots of positive talks there. And also he's got a very famous agent that we know very well as well. So let's see what happens with Paul Pogba on that front. It's an interesting uh, year ahead for Erling Haaland, I think, because he will, I was going to say he'd have the, the whole of Europe after him in terms of the big clubs anyway. I think Real Madrid are pretty strong on him. Uh, but if we can pretty much rule out Chelsea after signing Lukaku, you'd think. Yeah. If yeah. Man City get Harry Kane, that's probably them gone as well. Barcelona, really struggling for cash. Bayern Munich, if Lewandowski goes, you know, maybe them. But it, the numbers the numbers of clubs who can actually, you know, do it, are falling or will be falling in the next in the next few weeks if uh, clubs do actually go ahead and sign strikers. So it'll be interesting with Erling Haaland. We will see. Uh, and I think, yeah, obviously the Mina Raiola thing uh, and Paul Pogba's future will probably have, uh, probably be interlinked in a sense, you'd think. Yeah. And, and also the whole thing about Haaland, the size of the deal and the potential how big it's going to be. And let's be honest, Mina Raiola is going to get his, his agent a really good deal. We know this already. Uh, and like the clubs you just mentioned there, it, it kind of flows towards the Premier League. It can only flow towards the Premier League. Real Madrid are in uh, a big mess, just like Barcelona. Barcelona in a bigger mess, of course. But those two clubs who would have been maybe front runners for him, say like a year or two ago, they simply do not have the cash to put it on their wages. They just can't do it. So you, you can only really look at the Premier League. Could Juventus do it if they move Cristiano off the bill? Yes, but they're also in trouble. They're trying to save money. It's only really the English clubs that have got that cash to spend. You could find that someone like Tottenham, if they did get 175 for uh, for their their blessed son and captain, that if he leaves the football club, and they want to sign a big striker and make a statement of intent, that they might be the team that goes out and, and bids one, two, five for Haaland or something like that. And they become maybe the left field choice. Um, Minerola will look for the right deal. I don't think he would go to Tottenham. <laughs> that's, that's maybe a little bit of dream factoring for Tottenham fans. Sorry about that, guys. But I think when you look at United, they are front runners at the moment because they need a number nine next year. There's a, there's, a, there's a process of elimination here that Cavani will be off the wage bill. United will have that £300,000 of wages to spend and they can go knocking on Haaland's door and say, we can give you a really good package and you're coming to one of the biggest clubs in the world. We will see. Gary Neville, I don't think Harry Kane is going to be arriving at Old Trafford. We will we'll see. I don't think he's going to be arriving at Old Trafford uh, before August 31st or on August 31st. But 
We'll see. Uh, let's move ahead to uh, looking at the Wolves game. Uh, Rob and I have been speaking off it, and we think that is pretty much that performance at the weekend is pretty much made it nailed on. I'm not saying nailed on because we don't know for sure, but Jaden Sancho and Rafa ran. There's probably not a better time to bring them in because the performance wasn't great. There's certain areas of the team which were a little bit suspect, and it's certainly harder to change a winning team than it is to change a team that's just played not that well. So Wolves, like you mentioned earlier, will be it'll be a tough game. They've got a new manager. They've been putting, uh, raining a load of shots on goal. Uh, I think they were quite unlucky to not get anything out of the Spurs game at the weekend as well. Looking ahead to that, what do you think? Do you, do you think Sancho and Varane come in, Rob? I think they probably have to. And like you just pointed out there, and it's it's the big point, is that when you're winning a game, like, you know, you beat Leeds United by five, it's difficult then to start changing things and telling those players that you're going to take someone out to put someone in. So Sancho and Varane have been bought for the first team. They've bought to be starters. They're going to play. You know, they've had two weeks now of training in their legs and they've got to get minutes one way or the other. There is, I think, a doubt on Varane. You know, I still think that, that they might look at him longer term and think, well... You know, is he ready? You know, Lindelof and Maguire have had pre-seasons. They're more up to scratch. But I think when you look at United's attack and certainly on that, you know, the wider areas, how can you impact that quickly? Well, it's obvious it's Jadon Sancho, you know, rather than pushing out Mason there or something like that. So while uh, Marcus Rashford is still injured and let's talk about him coming back sooner, you've got to just look at what you can put on a football pitch. Wolves are a tough team. New management, slightly different style. They've got their star striker back in terms of being able to feed him. He's always he's always caused us problems. I just hope that United go out there with the correct attitude because I think that's the other side of it is that when things go wrong, United sometimes become very introspective in their play. Um, we don't want to see that. We don't want to see that. We want to see United go out there and meet Wolves head on and say, we have more talent than you. We're a better side than you. It doesn't matter that it's at Molina. We're here to win the game. And we're going to do what Man City do generally, and that is go out and punish teams that are outside of the top four. You know, Man City lost to Tottenham, but what do they do after that? They went and showed what they're about. They're about all of their pieces moving fluidly together, scoring goals and winning games quickly. And that's what I want to see from United this year. This year. I want to see United winning three points in the first 30, 40, 45 minutes. I don't want to see them going into minute 70 at one all, you know, minute 80, looking for that famous last second goal that United get and everyone gets very high about. I want to see them destroy teams early. Uh, but Wolves are, are going to be a tough prospect, a bit like Southampton. It's a similar kind of matchup. And, and I think that if we don't see that, then next week's podcast will be an even different tone because it'll be like, hmm, now we've had three games and two of those games, United didn't quite look like they had 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 the maybe the impetus to do it against the more what I would call industrial teams, you know, the teams that have just got more steel about them. But you've got to do it against them. If you don't beat those teams in the bottom half or around mid-table, you don't win the title. You might as well go home at Christmas. So let's see how we do it. And I think, uh, yeah, it's Jaden Sancho's time. Get him on a football pitch, give him the ball, feed him, and let's see what he can do. It is pretty ominous because you saw Chelsea go to Arsenal and brush them aside. I think everybody expected Man City to, you know, thrash Norwich, which they ended up doing. And Liverpool looked really good as well. So United have to keep pace with these teams because there's no real reason why they shouldn't. I know that there's certain areas of the team that United do need to address, but they have enough quality there 
to keep pace. And especially with the opening, what, eight games I think United have. If you look at that fixture list, you would expect United to win those games, if it, and especially a team ch- challenging for the title or getting in the mix. So Wolves is another one. I don't think they've scored a goal yet, Rob. I think I'm just going to touch wood because uh, they, haven't. they haven't scored a goal yet. We will see. Uh, hopefully Rafa Varane can come in and uh, keep the first clean sheet of the season for United. I, just, I don't know whether you have a point to make there, Rob, but I did just want to ask you about Anthony Martial. Um, now, he started uh, at St. Mary's and didn't play that well. And I've seen since then his name being brought up with, I think I've seen him referred to as a write-off. So that time that Anthony Martial has had uh, of, you know, he's got a lot of potential. He can, he can do this. He can do that. It's make or break for him now, isn't it? And you, you can't afford too many more of those performances. I know he's been out injured, but there's a lot of competition for places. And if he's not grabbing the ball by the horns in a match where he gets an opportunity, you can't really see a future for him. It's difficult for him because, again, you know, we've talked about in this podcast about how United don't progress the ball, especially in the Southampton game, and that was an issue. So if you're Anthony Martial as a number nine and the ball isn't coming into any any of the danger areas in a in a satisfactory fashion, what are you supposed to do? So he didn't play particularly well against Southampton. I think his movement is still a little bit suspect. Uh, the bit that really annoyed me was there was one point when the ball gets crossed into the box and Pogba goes for it and it drops and Martial's about two yards from it. He doesn't react at all. He doesn't swing a leg or anything. And that's where you need your number nine to just be in the thick of it. You know, Cavani, no doubt, gets a toe on that and it probably ends up in the back of the net. But I think it's reductive to compare Martial to the other strikers. Last year, he was the first choice number nine. This year, he's not the first choice number nine. And that's partly his fault. And that's partly injuries. And that's partly the way United have been playing. So he has to really push the, the ticket here because... He is one of those players that will be sacrificed if United do want to go into the transfer market and go and get someone like Haaland. You know, someone would have to go. Someone would have to make way for that that place in the attack. It's not going to be Mason Greenwood, let's be honest. Certainly isn't going to be Jadon Sancho. So who goes? Marcus Rashford will be there, no doubt. So it will be Tony Martial. And I, and I think for him, he just now needs to really find a way of putting the ball in the net. That sounds so simple. Uh, and that is really what his job is. You know, he wants to be a number nine, so go and do number nine things. Uh, it's close for him. You saw against Southampton, he just, he's still a yard off, and we, maybe that's his injury. Maybe that's because, maybe he feels United are moving on without him. You know, you're looking at new players coming in and talk of other players. Uh, and the other thing I've said, I think, is when Marcus comes back and is fit, I can see Marcus playing as the number nine quite a bit this season because he's got the pace through the middle, and that you can exploit that with players like Pogba, uh, obviously Bruno and Sancho around him in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, that could happen. And then that makes it a bit of tough love, doesn't it, for for Martial? I think coming off the 60 minutes, the way Ole pulled him off, that did show that Ole wasn't happy with him. 100% agree with you. Uh, the, the time is really, it's now for Anthony Martial. Uh, yes, he's had an injury, but we'll have to, he's going to have to start delivering. And he's not the only one in the United team. So, Let's look ahead to the Wolves game. Are you confident that United will win and brush this aside, Rob? Or are you expecting more of the same? No. That's a short answer. Am I confident? No. I was confident after the Leeds game for obvious reasons. And I thought we would do better at Southampton for obvious reasons. But what that was was a reality check, wasn't it, that second game? It shows that there's, there's still work to be done, both on the training pitch 
the manager this is why we talk about people being on trial you know you've got to go and prove it it doesn't work unless you prove it you know we can't sit here in our podcast here in our studios talking about football and say yet yeah, we feel great about these things when what we're seeing isn't great so united have got the weapons go out there fire your weapons and find a way to win as i said about southampton they didn't have to play well at, uh, in the south coast they just had to go and win Scott, and you just look at what they did. 15 minutes of football isn't what I want to see as United fan. I need to see closer to 90 minutes and I don't need to see players looking like they've never met each other before or they don't know, you know, how do I make a five yard pass? Am I worried about losing the ball in this area? Go and be brave. Go and earn your wage and go and show that playing for that badge on your chest means something. It's not, we're not in seasons now anymore where you can start slowly and just expect to come back into it later on because there's other teams in the league who are probably head and shoulders above the rest. And it, often, I know Man City made the exception last season because they didn't really start that well, but in seasons past, you can't really afford to drop that many points and lose track because you won't get back into it. Exactly. And, you know, you've got to look at the, the season. If you look over, you know, it's the best part of 40 games. That's a, a Premier League season. How do you win a title? Well, you've got to go 20 to 25 unbeaten in one run. So that run either comes now after Southampton and you don't get beaten for 25 games home and away and you win and you get draws and you stay on that, on that track all the way. Manchester city last year, I can remember that first 10 games. Everyone said that they, they weren't going to do anything that season. I said, they're the one team in the division that can go 10 unbeaten with a blink. And they went something like 24 unbeaten in that run. And I was like, Ugh. and they're top of the league. They're 10 points clear and they can coast towards the Champions League final and they can coast towards winning the championship. United need to be in that conversation. You need to be doing the same thing. I think Chelsea will be one of those teams this year. I think with Lukaku, even when they play badly, they're going to get the ball to Rom in the box. He's going to score goals. And last year where that was losing them games because they didn't have a number nine, this year they'll win those games. You mentioned Liverpool. Liverpool look really good in these first two games. They look like the team that won the title two years ago. Really fluid ball progression from back to front. Van Dijk's there. Henderson's back. The front three are ticking. Mane looks good again. And they've got Jota. So they're, they're on an uptick. They're going to be in, a, in that conversation. If United let it slip in these first 10 games, this is why I say, Vole, 10 games in, 15 games in, if you're 20 points behind the leaders, that's the end of this project. Finished. Gone. New manager will be in, and we'll be talking about things in a very, very different tone. You have been warned, Manchester United. We're expecting more than what's have, what you put in at Southampton at the weekend. I think that's it for us anyway. A reminder to follow us on social. Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B. I'm at underscore Scott Saunders. We will have a Twitter account for this coming soon. I'm just, uh, I'm just in, the, in the midst of getting it prepared. We'll see. Uh, I think we're also in the process as well of being set up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, I know there's a little bit of a delay there. We apologize for that, but uh, we will be there soon and we'll update you when it happens. But uh, thank you very much for listening. Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts. And we hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. We'll be back next Wednesday after the transfer window closes and we'll exactly see what Manchester United are working with this season. Thanks a lot, guys.